This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Man with the Golden Hair. Man with the Golden Hair. Plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. Kelda was not sure why that French expression kept swirling through her mind. But as the plane banked to make its final approach into Whitehorse, she noted that the city had changed a lot in the 35 years since she had last been there. It was now a city, and no longer a dusty little frontier town. Whole loops and whorls of new suburbs appeared where only dense woods had existed before. But the mountains were still the same. Yes, there was Mount Goldenhorn. Ah, yes, Goldenhorn. Laurel met her as she emerged into the main concourse of the terminal. They hugged, which wasn't easy given Laurel's condition. She wasn't due for another week yet, though. You look great, sweetie, Kelda said to her daughter. This was the first time they had seen each other in just over a year since Laurel had moved to Whitehorse to take that government job. Kelda had flown up to stay with her daughter for a few weeks around the arrival of the baby. And I feel great, too, replied Laurel, laughing. She grabbed a baggage cart from the corner and pushed it towards her mother. Here, you can do the heavy lifting. Later that afternoon, they sat in the living room in the house that Laurel shared with Lily and Lily's two dogs. It was just down the street from the Walnut Crescent Bed and Breakfast, where Kelda was staying. They were drinking tea, herbal, no caffeine for Laurel, and Kelda quizzed her daughter. Yes, you look great and you feel great, but how do you really feel? You know, deep, deep down inside, about becoming a mother. Laurel sat back in her chair and frowned a bit. Well, actually, she said, I feel a bit, well, embarrassed or maybe stupid. How's that, asked her mother. Well, you know, in high school, there are those girls that got knocked up by members of the football team. I don't know if they did it on purpose or it just happened. Anyway, I always thought they were kind of stupid either way. And now, here I am, older and even smarter than they were, and I find myself knocked up too. I should have known better. Here, let me tell you how I... No, no, that's okay, interrupted her mother. I don't have to know the details. No, I want to tell you. I have to get this off my chest. I haven't told anyone else. Well, said Kelda uncertainly, go ahead. It was all quite simple, said her daughter. When I moved up here, I decided I had to plunge into local activities to meet people. And about then, the federal election came up. All the candidates needed volunteers. You remember how I loved politics at university. Oh, yes, said her mother. Your dad and I were afraid you'd blow your courses with all the time you spent marching for this, protesting that, and campaigning in between. Well, ta-da! I did quite well despite your worries, smirked Laurel. So I signed up to help one of the candidates here. For a month, there was a heady flurry of folding pamphlets, knocking on doors, putting up posters, and answering phones. She paused. Okay, so... So there was this one guy that I ended up working with just about every night. We got on okay together, but we didn't have much in common. He was just a guy, nothing special. Well, on election night, our candidate won. We had such a massive celebration. We danced, we hugged, we shouted. 
And then when it was all over, that guy I mentioned, well, we drove out to Schwatka Lake and and we had sex in the back of his car. I, I mean, not in the back seat. That would have been so, you know, high school cheap, like the girls with the football team. He had a hatchback sort of car. The back seats folded down and there were some sleeping bags and, well, it just happened. Just happened? asked her mother. Yes, it just happened. We both knew this wasn't about love. It was just sex and the euphoria of the election. We both needed it. We did it, enjoyed it, and it was done. Great, except for one thing. I got knocked up, pregnant. I thought I was safe, but obviously not. And after? Oh, there is no after, replied Laurel. In fact, I haven't even seen him again. You didn't even tell him? asked Kelda. No. Why would I? I take responsibility for my own actions, my own stupidity. Yeah, I feel kind of stupid about it all. Must be something in the water here, murmured Kelda almost to herself. What, what was that? demanded Laurel. Oh, nothing, nothing at all, responded Kelda. Oh, no, come on. You're not going to get off that easily, said her daughter. I know that expression. You have a story to tell. Come on, out with it. Kelda sighed. Okay, she said, but I've never told this to anyone else. Well, I guess your dad knew the outline, but not the details. Go on, commanded her daughter. Well, you know when I was up here all those years ago, said Kelda slowly, I worked as a nurse at the hospital. I was here for three years altogether. Whitehorse was a lot different. I was in my twenties then. Yes, yes, said her daughter impatiently. I know all that. There was a group of us nurses who used to hang around with a group of local guys. We went canoeing together, we went camping together, and yes, we partied together. There were some brief romances between members of the group, but nothing permanent. We were just a bunch of young people having a good time together. Did you ever smoke pot? asked her daughter. Her mother looked indignant. Well, I didn't, but, but some of the others did, just a bit. It wasn't a big thing. Anyway, there was this one young man who had the most wonderful, long, curly, golden hair. He was not only devilishly handsome, he was also infatuated with me. However, he was also three years younger than I was, and I could see that he was not the type of guy I wanted to spend my life with, although he was a great friend. I told him that, that I wasn't interested in anything more than friendship, but he just wouldn't give up. He pursued me continuously. It was, well, flattering, actually. Okay, so, what happened? asked Laurel. I eventually figured out that Whitehorse wasn't the place I wanted to be in the long term. I applied for a job in a hospital in Vancouver and was accepted immediately. The man with the golden hair was devastated when he found out I was leaving. He pleaded with me not to go, but it was pretty clear to me that neither he nor Yukon was in my future. A few days before I was scheduled to leave, the group organized a hike to the top of Mount Goldenhorn. Whether by chance or design, nobody showed up except the man with the golden hair and me. There was no path, and it was a long way up through the brush. But what a sense of victory we had when we finally got to the top. Maybe sort of like how you felt when your candidate won the election. Anyway, continued Kelda, after a brief pause for reflection, Maybe it was the euphoria of making it up the mountain, 
Or maybe it was a bit of pity for the man with the golden hair. Or maybe both. It doesn't really matter. In any case, I'm not quite sure how it happened. But we were quickly naked and screwed each other silly right there on top of the mountain. Being naked on a mountain is a great aphrodisiac. You should try it sometime. Laurel looked pained. It's difficult to think of my mother like that, she said. Oh, come on, exclaimed Kelda. Why do children think their parents never had sex? I mean, they'd have to have had sex at least once, right, per child? So this is all very fascinating, said Laurel, somewhat uncomfortably. But what's the point of the story? Hang on, said Kelda. Wait for it. When it was time for me to leave, Golden Hair drove me to the airport. He cried the biggest tears I have ever seen. I was a bit embarrassed, because I had never seen a grown man cry like that. But my mind was made up, and I left him behind. I never saw him again. So? asked Laurel. So? So the man with the golden hair is your biological father. What? stammered Laurel, bewildered. You mean, you mean Dad was not... I mean that shortly after leaving Whitehorse, after that wild afternoon on Mount Goldenhorn, I discovered I was pregnant. I was a nurse, for God's sake. I was supposed to know how to prevent that sort of thing. Your dad was an old university friend. We hooked up again in Vancouver, and we were married when I was eight months pregnant with you. Well, I did the math when I was six or seven, said Laurel, but I thought you and dad had lived together before you were married. We did live together, but your dad was not your father. He was very accommodating, though, and never made an issue of it, even to the day he died. He treated you just like his own daughter, certainly no different than your younger brother, who is his son. Oh, I don't know what to say, murmured Laurel. You don't have to say anything, replied Kelda. It's just facts. But you don't have to feel stupid about getting pregnant. Happens to the best of us, and things turn out fine in the end. Kelda hadn't thought about the man with the golden hair for a long time. She wondered what he'd done over the last 35 years. She wondered if he was still in Whitehorse. 35 years ago, she would have started with the phone book. Instead, she went to the internet, and within five minutes, had all the basics, including his email address. He had taken the small plumbing business of his father and turned it into a reasonably successful contracting firm. He had served one term as member of the Legislative Assembly, and he was married with two adult children. They met for coffee at Starbucks the next day. She was amused to see that Tom, the man with the golden hair, was now completely bald. They exchanged stories of their lives over the past decades and what had happened to the other members of the group. Kelda was inwardly glad that she had not stayed behind in Whitehorse. Even though he was very nice, Tom was still not her type. But I wrote to you many times after you left, exclaimed Tom. You never replied. Maybe I was afraid, Kelda replied, afraid of boxing you in, boxing us into a corner that neither of us wanted, or at least that I didn't want. I don't understand, said Tom. She told him about his daughter, who is now grown up and living in Whitehorse. She thought he'd like to know after all these years. He suggested that maybe they should all have supper together. She thought that was a great idea. So did Laurel when Kelda asked her later. At the restaurant the next evening, Kelda was sitting across from Laurel, 
who had her back to the door. Kelda saw Tom enter and waved him over. Tom, this is your daughter Laurel. Laurel, this is Tom. Tom's hand, which had sprung out for a handshake, froze in midair and his mouth hung open. Laurel gasped in disbelief and collapsed into her chair. Tom is the father of my baby, she screamed. Andrea had a vocabulary of 50 words at the age of six months and a head of the most wonderful golden curls, very much unlike that of her mother or grandmother. Her mother, who eventually married a most accommodating man with a house in Porter Creek, adored her daughter and enrolled her in every possible class, from skiing and mushing for toddlers to ballet and martial arts. Her grandmother, who moved into a house on Walnut Crescent, spoiled her as only a grandmother can. And nobody ever mentioned the man with the golden hair again. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.